Good morning. I'm Jonathan Bassett, a deacon from City Church, and I'll be leading us in our scripture reading today. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, see, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. To you then who believe, he is precious. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner, and a stone that makes them stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Let's uh, take a few moments and just pray with one another. Our Father, already amidst uh, just technical difficulties, we recognize both the gift of digital life, but also it's really deep inadequacy. We long to be with one another in your presence this morning. And so we are here spiritually together. And we ask, Father, Son, and Spirit, that as we think about these words from First Peter, that you would give our hearts understanding. And that we, like newborn babes, would long for the pure spiritual milk of the story of Jesus to come more and more true in our lives. Meet us, we ask in his name. Amen. So in the Bartholomew house, Wednesday nights and quarantine time have become poetry nights. And what that basically means is that you bring a poem to dinner with you to share. I have to confess that I did not bring one this past week. But uh, my daughter, Emelyn, brought Maya Angelou's beautiful poem alone. Listen to the first stanza. Lying, thinking last night, how to find my soul a home where water is not thirsty and bread loaf is not stone. I, come up, I came up with one thing, and I don't believe I'm wrong, that nobody but nobody can make it out here alone. Alone, all alone, nobody but nobody can make it out here alone. It's a remarkable poem in so many ways, and it anchors human life in the company of other human beings. We're meant to live together, and specifically in pursuit of shared and common good. Bread given, not a stone. Thirst quenched, not thirst unquenched. Nine weeks into digital church life and work life and family life and neighbor life, we are all more aware that we miss our friends and colleagues and we miss face-to-face -face encounters of all types. But also there is loss in my life with God. Jesus said that whenever two or three are gathered in my name, there he is in our midst. One of the ways that we experience God's nearness 
is in the not-aloneness of being together, the physical presence we have with one another. When we gather for worship or we meet in a community group or we sit and have coffee with one another. In this part of Peter's letter, he anchors Christian spirituality in practices of community, the reality really of community, but also of mission. Let's think about the text for just a moment together. Verse 2, Peter urges us to desire and long for spiritual nourishment. And he adds rhetorically this fragment out of Psalm 34, which if you remember is, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. It is um, a psalm that David prays in the midst of his own troubles as he looks to the Lord to restore and to meet him in periods of difficulty. Peter takes that snippet and he reminds them that they have in fact tasted the goodness of the Lord that has come to them in Jesus. And he says, desire it more, long for it more, the way you may have seen a newborn baby be hungry and cry for food. Imagine that scene of a newborn infant for just a moment. Some of you in our community can imagine that a lot more readily than others because you've experienced that even in the last three months. But imagine that scene, and by the way, happy Mother's Day yet again for all of you mothers, both physical and spiritual, who have fed us when we've cried out for food. Most of us have seen babies crying for food, but the question that Peter leaves me with this morning and you with is just this, do we desire and long for spiritual nourishment in the same way that a newborn at their first cry might even sound inconsolable. Do you know that cry? In chapter one, Peter wrote that our new birth was um, not by perishable seed, but the enduring word of God. He's not there thinking about the Bible per se, but rather he's thinking about this long generational conversation that God strikes up with his people throughout the pages of scripture and that reaches its great fullness in the person of Jesus. It's a conversation about deliverance and about renewal of life. It's about all things becoming new because God's kingdom, his presence has broken through. Peter, of course, believed that all of these words and promises of God had become true in the person of who Jesus was, the word made flesh dwelling among us. And by his resurrection and the gift of the spirit, the rebirth of earth itself, of a new creation, Jesus in his story is the very thing that Peter looks for us or urges us to long for, to desire like a newborn infant so that we would grow up spiritually into this new creation that Jesus has inaugurated. In verse 4, Peter says that we've come to this Jesus, and he speaks of him as the cornerstone. And this is where Peter begins to pivot into these other themes of community and mission. Think about this for a moment community. He says that Jesus is the cornerstone of a new temple, and every other stone is set against that one stone in reference to the cornerstone to Jesus himself. And specifically, you are a living stone in that building, this new spiritual house, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, right, as he speaks of us. 
Everyone in the ancient world knew that you go to the temple to encounter God. Things happened in the temple. You would encounter the transcendent reality of the heavens, of God himself. You would experience what it might mean to be forgiven of your sins. And hopefully you would take that experience outside of the walls of the temple into the world itself, into your homes, around your dinner table, in conversations in the workplace, that your life with God transcendent would shape your life as a present person in his likeness in our world. Peter says that together you are this new temple of God. You are the place, the context in which we taste God's goodness, his abiding presence, and his continued faithfulness. We hear and experience God in our life together in so many different ways. You encounter it in small and great acts of love and sacrifice that we might make for one another as we lovingly enter one another's lives. And instead of entering one another's lives in a disruptive way, you can imagine that easily when selfishness sort of guards and governs the way we interact with one another, or envy when we see someone having something that we don't have or something that we want, or hate when we find that necessary in order to prop up our own identity through comparisons, critique, and condemnation. Instead, Peter imagines the people of God, this holy nation, this royal priesthood, this temple, to be a community in which we learn to love as Jesus has loved us. We live with one another the way Jesus lived in our world, the way the gospel story speaks of his life in the world. We help each other along through our own words of encouragement or sometimes rebuke or hard truth-telling, but always with words and love, words of de- words and words of love and deeds of love, we taste together God's goodness. And we remember that we're never alone and never meant to live the Christian life alone by ourselves in isolation, but together. But all of this togetherness is not merely something that's turned inward on ourselves, but rather the activity of encountering God and experiencing his love in tangible ways in the community. That same reality is meant to spill over into the world for the sake of the world. It's something we're meant to give away. Mission is at the very center and core of what it means to be the church. Verses 9 and 10 speak to this. Peter says that this has all happened so that you might proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Archbishop William Temple once said of the church that it is a unique organization and that it doesn't exist for its own self, but rather for the, exa- for the sake of of its non-members. It's an interesting way of thinking about our life together, that it's not just for us, but it's for the sake of those that don't even yet belong to us. Our story, like Jesus' story, is for the sake of others. His mercy and grace overflow the boundaries of our community life together into the broken spaces of this world, places and stories that are marked more by sadness than joy, Spaces that lack hope but need hope. Spaces in which love might seem like a desired dream, but one that's out of reach. Spaces of compassion and change and justice, where all of these things are desperately needed. Where there's hungry and the need of bread rather than a stone, or where there's thirst and the need for clean water. 
One of the things this pandemic has us thinking about is our own personal health and maybe the health of our neighbors as well, as we've joined collectively to do some things that we hope sort of move it out of our, our experience sooner than later. But the reality is that literal thirst and literal hunger haven't gone away either. And injustice and prejudicial treatment haven't stopped. Amud Aubrey's murder painfully reminds us that the problems of, of racial injustice and inequalities haven't let up inside of our world. So we keep proclaiming this story of God's mercy, that God is a God who loves and who has lived in our world in a self-giving way for the sake of the world. We step into dark places in our world, in our words and our deeds of mercy and love in the hope that other people keep hearing the news and experiencing the news that Jesus loves them. So I have to admit that as I read this text this morning, I was struck by a particular sadness because we're reading it in quarantine. We're reading it in a moment when we're isolated to our own living rooms or bedrooms or wherever it is you're tuning in this morning. I feel sad because of that. But at the same time, I feel like a newborn baby. I am hungry for your presence. The disruptions of life that we're going through are so much greater than not visiting our favorite restaurants or having the vacation we might have wanted for the summer or uh, not visiting your coffee shop or not getting your hair cut, right? I also find myself missing that which is of God that I only experience in your presence, body of Christ, in our life together. And when I think about our mission as a church in the world, it also feels fragmented to me this morning. And for so many of you, I know it does as well, because we're holed up in our homes and we wonder about the risk of being out and about in our world. Others in our community are taking some risks and they're living and working in essential service, spaces of essential services. Some of you have been joining in with the Easter outreach and packing food and risking being near each other to do that or risking those sort of uh, hands-free deliveries of meals. Or you're checking in with people in our community or in your neighborhood or maybe in your own workspace, people and friends that you know of who live a little bit more risk, at risk than you do. And for all of us, we're trying to take time to reach out and to remind people that they're not alone, that God is with them and that we long to be with them as well. And we take these sort of inadequate steps through digital technology or hands-free delivery or mask wearing as a way of just sitting before people the reality that God is a God of presence and he longs for us to be present, not only to himself, but to be his hands, his feet, his voice in a world that desperately needs to hear this song of mercy and justice and love and compassion. So friends, this morning, as you think about this text or you sit with it, I urge you to long for the pure spiritual milk. Like a newborn baby, cry for it so that we together may grow up into the salvation that God has so graciously given us in Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.